Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. Are we awake? Happy New Year. Glad all of you guys are here to uh, worship with us uh, this morning. My name is Alex Barrett. I'm the executive pastor here at Church in the Valley. And uh, it's always fun to speak the first Sunday of a new year because you have so much hope. And the next week you come back and you think, where was that? And uh, for some of you, you may have set some New Year's resolutions. You're really excited about maybe certain areas that you're wanting to change, a new habit you're wanting to establish or old habits you're wanting to rekindle. And you may be thinking here today, I'm ready to go. Or you may be here thinking, what happened? I lasted only two days. Uh, no matter where you are on new habits or your clean slate, uh, we are really glad that you're here to be with us here at Church in the Valley. Um, speaking of New Year's resolutions, we, we have different approaches and perspectives on them. Do they work? Do they not work? Should I make one? Should I not make one? And I thought just for fun, uh, let's look at a video that kind of highlights some different thoughts about New Year's resolutions. Let's watch this together. in general, reading more, watching less, learning all the rules for chess, becoming somewhat smarter in general, eating fish, not fingernails, volunteer to save the whales, becoming a better guy in general, saving more, spending less, yes, I will wag my chest, dating more girls in general, but not this year, no, this year is different, as different as a gazelle. Yes, a gazelle from a deer. After all these failed resolutions, my future is clear. The future is near. Just forget those resolutions. You know that you are never going to do. And adopt a more realistical view by committing to things that come easily to you. Like On the correct feet Just raise the bar to walk effortlessly underneath Just face the fact you've always thought Those resolutions don't mean squat and settle into a more comfortable spot. Embrace all the things you know you are not. Hit the snooze, roll over, then repeat. Make large purchases, then lose the receipt. Just raise the bar to walk effortlessly underneath. I hope that inspired you. <laughs> Raise the bar just enough to effortlessly walk underneath. Uh, that's a little cynical approach to resolutions. You know, try to eat just one bad meal. And I'm thinking, 
like just one? Or is that like the minimum you have to eat? Because I could probably do that one. Uh, but th- this video kind of, that's kind of something that, that we, we all face, the, the idea of change. How do we uh, change? And uh, we're talking today about power, like Jeep mentioned. And we're going to be looking at really this idea of, can a relationship with God give me the power or the strength to actually change? Can that relationship with him make a difference in my life? And as we look at the new year, oftentimes we are motivated to change and we're thinking about change in different areas. And oftentimes it is that kind of time to just start anew. Uh, But it really begs the question, well, how do you change? And not just maybe some habits that you have, but actually how do you change uh, who you are? Uh, If you, you need to change who you are, what are the things that bring about a new person if you need to develop a new person within you? How does that work? What are the components of that? And as you dig into the scriptures, you find that there's actually um, a lot of different things that the Bible says needs to happen for you to change. But it begins with a relationship with God. And the idea of can that be true is actually looking at, well, if the Bible says that I can change and that God gives me the strength to change, do I really believe that? Do I really take the Bible for what it's saying? And we all have to wrestle with this idea of can that really be true? Because oftentimes we come up with different scenarios and formulas to change. And if it doesn't include a relationship with God and actually doing what he says, the scriptures are saying that that change actually can't really come and it can't really last. And so that's actually a bold statement from the Bible. So there's something that we just have to wrestle with. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, Regardless of your views of New Year's resolutions or what you're supposed to do in the new year, uh, we're really going to be talking about how do I how do I change and then how do I deal with the areas in my life that I'm discontent? Because oftentimes, if you have a New Year's resolution, you're looking at an area of your life that you're not really content with. There's things that are happening that you kind of wish were better. You you want to improve. And so you resolute yourself to to making this change in this certain area. And so there's something about discontentment which actually drives a lot for our need for power. We want power to to change our circumstances. We want change to kind of happen in every area of our life, not just our habits, but in our relationships, at work, our future, our present, the things that we've experienced. We, We kind of want change. And when we look at the areas of discontent, those are usually the areas that we want to change first. And so we're going to look in today at some helpful perspective on how power and contentment work together. And actually, it somewhat doesn't exactly make complete sense to what is native to us. And so I'm going to be reading uh, from the book of Philippians in the scriptures, which is in the New, New Testament. And the writer of this book is an apostle named Paul. And he was an early church starter who was really against Christianity and persecuted Christians in the early church. And then God actually saved him, redirected his life, and he became really one of the the most important figures in the growth and expansion of early Christianity. And in fact, two-thirds of the New Testament is written by this man named Paul, who you're going to hear from today. And so I want to kind of share the idea of the secret of power and contentment. Because for, for us here, January 5th, 2014, I think we'd all agree that power appeals to us. And actually experiencing contentment in our life is something that we all want. 
that appeals to, to all of us. And so he, he here gives us, in the book of Philippians, this secret to power and contentment. I want to read, and you can follow along on the screen. This is starting in chapter 4, verse 11. And he says this, Paul, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. He's learned this. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And then verse 13 is maybe something that you've seen or heard before. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And that is one of those can that be true statements. Can we really do all things through him who strengthens us, through God? Can we do things through the strength of God? Can his strength help me in the here and now in the United States, in Alhambra, California? Can his power translate into my life that it actually makes a difference in what I live for and how I live? Can that be true? Well, to answer that question, you actually can look at what Paul is going through in this time. You may not have known this, but as he's writing this, he is actually in prison. So at the very moment he's writing these words, he is in chains for his faith. He's being persecuted, he's arrested, he's in jail. And in this very moment, he is saying, I have learned to be content in every circumstance. And he goes through a list of experiences. And you see that his contentment has been learned through experiences with God. As he's gotten to know God better, he has actually learned how to be content. And so there's part of the secret there. There's something with him and God that has given him this insight and this secret that he wants us to know. And this secret is not something that's supposed to be hidden to us. But here he writes it to kind of lift the lid on what the secret is. So he's, I've known what it's like to have a lot, a lot of power, a lot of status, a lot of prestige. And I've known what it's been to have very little, no food, no money, no status, no prestige. In fact, I'm here sitting in chains writing this letter. So it's just profound that he's saying, I have learned this contentment. And then verse 13, he basically just draws a line in the sand and says, I can do all things. Through Christ who strengthens me. And if you're like me, you hear that and you kind of think to yourself, well, what are all the things that I want to do in my life that I can have God sign off on so I can have the power to do it? Maybe this can unlock some special future for me, some special relationship, some special job that I want. Because if he gives me strength and I can do it, wow, what can I do for myself? How can I gain? How can I leverage that? But what you find is that's not a disconnected thought from the rest of what he's writing there. He's saying that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because it's the strength of God that I am content in. I don't base my strength or my contentment on my circumstances. I base my strength and my contentment on a relationship with God himself. And so that's, that's the secret that he unlocks for us. It's the relationship with God that unlocks the strength that he gives us. And the reality is, if, if I focus on doing God's will in my life, he gives the power and the resources to do it. So it's not actually about my own agenda or my own circumstances that I want changed. It's actually about setting the course of my heart and my mind to doing 
God's will. Doing what he wants. Doing it in his way. And think about your life right now. For most of us, most of our days are based on the circumstances, right? You go to work. You're going to go into work tomorrow and you kind of have an idea of how you want your morning to go. For me, Lord willing, it starts with a coffee, maybe two. And as I get in the office, I think about the things that I need to get done that are on my agenda that I have created. And then some things happen where other people have agenda that includes me. And then my agenda that I have and the boxes that I want checked, I don't get to get to to that day. And then I'm thinking, well, that's not exactly how my day goes. And I find myself kind of discontent in that moment. Or maybe you have kids and you, you're excited about the day and then they wake up kind of cranky or they wake up sick. And you're thinking, this is not the picture that I had in mind. And we find that in many relationships, not just with kids, with our spouses, with our roommates. We kind of have this idea we're all going to relate. We're all going to get along. Everyone's going to schedule is going to fit perfectly. And it's going to turn out exactly how we all thought. And then you live life and that like rarely happens, right? Because like their schedule doesn't mesh with yours and their, their goals and their wants in that moment aren't exactly what you thought and it just it kind of goes to havoc. Or the economy. We don't have an idea of how much money we need to make and we look back in this pastor and we're like, well, I didn't really make enough. What am I going to do? And discontentment comes. And that's a normal approach that we all have. I, I battle that on a daily basis, looking at my circumstances and kind of allowing my circumstances to determine whether it's a good day or not. What Paul's saying is you actually cannot look on whether you have a lot or whether you don't. You can't look on whether you have the relationships exactly like you want them or you don't. You actually have to look outside yourself, everything that you have going on in your life, and actually look to the one who made you. And as you look to him and you ask him to determine what you should be focusing on, it actually gives you perspective, the right perspective on how to handle your circumstances. Because what Paul's saying is part of the secret is it's not just the strength that your circumstances change. It's the strength that your circumstances do not. Isn't that a crazy thought? For me, I think God's strength, that's great. With his strength, all this is going to change. But sometimes it's God's strength enables me to hang in there when it doesn't change. When this relationship is still hard, when my work is still a grind, when the kids are still cranky, it's his strength that allows me to hang in there. And that's the truth. Doing it his way is the way to experiencing power like you cannot experience detached. And there's an important principle. It, it, I'm unplugged from God's power when I focus on doing my will my way. If you're only looking through the lens in your life of what your goals are, what's important to you, the timeline that you have for it, how it's all going to happen, how people are going to line up to help that happen. If that's the only lens that you look through in your life, you will not have the power of God. Because my will, my way does not unleash the strength of God. It's actually his will, his way. And then you find you have strength to handle all that you have. That's profound. Because we're, we're human, we have different goals and we have different agendas. And the thought is, especially in our country, there's a, you have a goal and you drive to accomplish it. 
And if people get in your way, you hope they move, but you have to do what you have to do. As long as it makes you happy. Right? That's like a fuel of so many of us. The scriptures are saying it's actually you. You have to flip that upside down. I plug into God's power as I do it. His will. His way. There's another perspective in the book of James that, that kind of gives another just profound look at our circumstances, our goals, and our agenda. James 4 says this, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. So it's basically saying, be careful for all of you that have your plans completely nailed down for the rest of your life. Or at least just a year. Yet you, verse 14, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. Is that true? Do you know what tomorrow will bring? Let's just stop there. Is that true? You know what? I actually don't know what tomorrow will bring. And if you do, we could talk afterwards. But I have no idea what tomorrow will bring. And we read that in the scriptures sometimes. We're like, yeah, we have no idea what tomorrow is. But then we have kind of created a life where we're banking on tomorrow being a certain thing. But I don't know what it is. What does that mean? I just shouldn't plan. And I don't like have a budget for my money and I just throw it in like a bucket. And I hope it all works out at the end of the month. Or I don't find a place to live because I don't know if I'm going to be living there tomorrow. No, it's, it's not saying you don't plan, but it's, it's actually saying that you have to plan knowing that your plans are, they're fleeting. They're fragile. The infrastructure can be somewhat weak because the future changes. Your life changes, and that's just how it is. We don't have control over everything that happens. And there's some more perspective. What is your life? That's a great question. You read the Bible. What is your life? You're like, I don't know. It's early. I'm reading the Bible. I'm not ready to answer that yet. But then it kind of answers it. It says, for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. There's a little encouragement for you. You're a mist. It's here. Boom. No, right? I mean, that'd be kind of a depressing message. That's your life. See you guys next week. But there's some perspective. There's this idea. We hold on to all these things that are so important to us. And we bank our happiness and we bank our joy and we bank everything in our life on these things happening. And the scriptures are saying that if that doesn't happen, what do you do? your life doesn't turn out how you thought what do you do the picture is well i guess then you're just a mist there's nothing there there's nothing to grab onto there's nothing to hold and then verse 15 gives a little bit more perspective instead you ought to say if the lord wills we will live and do this or that so there's the encouragement you get to see now the lens is not well, I'm a mist. I have nothing to look for, forward to. I have nothing to live for. It's actually realizing that, okay, wait a second. I need to plug in to God's will and his way for my life. And then that becomes really the perspective that I live life from. That if it's his will, I can do that. If it's his way, that will happen. It's basically saying that God is in control of your life. Can that be true? 
Does he give us power and strength? But is he in control of our life? Is he in control of the world? Is he in control of our country? You, got, you get these, this idea is, is profound, but is he really in control? Is he there? These are all questions. Profound. And verse 15 is saying, yes, because if the Lord wills, you'll do this. When I was early married, I kind of had this, this vision of my life. You know, like I would progress in a career to a certain point and by a certain time I'd make enough money and then I'd have a certain number of kids in a certain time. I'd live in a certain area and it would all just kind of be this family that I've created based on my extraordinary planning. And then I realized, even if I'm a great planner, which I'm really not that great of a planner, it doesn't go exactly how I think. And this verse, this passage actually greatly helped my perspective. And what I've started to do is I talk about things. I usually try to preface with, Lord willing, I'll do that. Lord willing, I won't have to do that. But this idea of Lord willing, it's really a picture of a God who interacts with you. Because the only way you say if the Lord wills it or not is if you actually believe he wants to be involved in your life. If he's not involved, then it doesn't matter what the Lord wills. But what's Paul saying and what they're saying here in James is the Lord is involved. He's interactive. He cares. He's in control. And he actually has a certain life that he wants you to live. And he gives tremendous freedom and he gives tremendous strength. But it's unlocked as you decide to do life his way. That's where the power comes. That's where contentment comes. His will, his way. When you commit to that, you actually find that you face the same circumstances, but your approach is different. When you go to work and you have your agenda and it changes and someone comes and they need help with something and you didn't know they were going to need the help. And now you're thinking, well, I can't get to what I wanted to get to. But you realize, like, you know what? If the Lord wills, I'll get to that. And right now the Lord is willing that I need to help this person in this situation. And you do it. And you see what God does. Or with your kids. Maybe they're cranky, they have a bad attitude, or they're sick, and you think, well, we had all these plans and they're not cooperating. Or life is just interrupted and it's not going how I thought. Lord willing, we can do it. But if not, how do we treat each other? How can I model to them how to be flexible? How can I model to them kindness in the midst of problems that are occurring? That's the Lord's will. Then the economy, you approach that differently. You plan, you're wise, and you have strategies that bring about good outcomes, but you can't control the outcomes. So when it's out of your control... You trust the God who's in control. And so your approach isn't driven by your circumstances. It's driven by the one who helps you in the midst of them. Can that be true? We all have to wrestle with that. We all have to decide, is is that real? Can I really take the Bible for what it's saying and base my life on that? That's really what faith is. It's looking at this idea that God is in control, has a plan for your life, will actually give you the power to live the life that he wants you to live. 
And faith is deciding that that is true. So no matter where you are, I encourage you, you have to wrestle with this. Because you can't enter into a relationship with Jesus until you're willing to say, you're in control. Not my will, but your will. Not my way, but your way. Not my timing, but your timing. That's the picture of faith. And what flows from that is encouraging as well. And that is God's power is available to those who do God's will. If you decide that you're ready to take that step and actually trust the Lord Jesus with your life and with your future, with your circumstances, every single thing in your life that you face, he will give you the power. I've experienced it myself. I know there's many people here that have experienced it as well. But he gives you the power to do his will. That's a great thing because no one can do God's will without his power. We're not good enough. We're not smart enough. We don't have strategy enough. We need his strength to do what he's asked us to do. That's how God has wired it in. Because he loves us and he wants a relationship with us. And so that's how he's set it up. He doesn't want us to be independent from him. He wants us to be linked up, hooked into his resources. Philippians, the chapter before, before Paul was writing that about being in chains and content, he gives some more perspective that's helpful. He says, therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Again, he's in prison. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. The picture is continue to figure out what it means to trust God in everything you face. Continue to figure out how to turn to God in your circumstances when you want them to change and being patient when they don't. That's part of working it out with fear and trembling, realizing that you're going to take God serious. You're going to do what he says, even if things don't go exactly as you plan or think or desire or want. And he goes further, for it is God, this is really important, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Whose good purpose? His. Who's the one acting? He is. God's power is available. He is the one who works in us to will and to act according to his good purpose. Can that be true? Can I actually do what God wants me to do? And will he actually help me to do it? I don't know where you are this morning, but all of us have things that we want to change. We do. That's how we're wired. We all want to grow and change. That's part of how God made us. And you may be here this morning and you've tried very uh, different strategies on how to do that. You maybe try to change through a relationship with somebody. You maybe tried to change out of a relationship with somebody. You may have tried self-help books. You may have tried just learning more, progressing, working hard, resting. Whatever you try, it begs the question, have you experienced the change that you really need to make your life different? And only you can answer that. But can you really change? 
based on what you've done so far in your life to the degree that you need to. And in my own life, I came to the point where I realized I cannot change to the point I need to without God. The reason I knew that is because I hadn't changed to the point I needed to without him. It was experiential, just like it was for Paul. I wanted the change. I wanted the growth. I wanted to move forward in my life, but I got to the point where I hit the wall on my own improvement plan, on my own self-effort, and on my own ideology. And I want to encourage you, in this new year, are you willing to try something different? And even further than that, are you actually willing to take God at his word that he will work in you to will and to act according to what he wants for your life? Only you can answer that. Your spouse can't answer that. No one at the church can answer that. But you have to decide, are you actually willing to make a decision to live your life differently based on the power of God and not your own? There's an important thing that you need to do if if you're wanting to kind of take that step or if you're wanting to explore. Doing God's will begs some important questions. Is that, well, how do I know what God's will is? How do I discover what he wants me to do in every area of my life? And that's why we read the scriptures. Every Sunday we have scriptures. This is how we know the will of God. A big part of that is, is you read the truth of the Bible And it gives you a picture of the life God wants you to live. You find examples like Paul that you can model your life after. You see experiences. You see stories. You see rewards. You see punishments. You see how God operates as he interacts with people. You see how people have decided to live their life for God and what's happened. You see people who have decided not to live their life for God and what happens. And you, you get this from the scriptures, this picture of can this really be true? And the only way to know that is you have to be willing to read the Bible. And this is a battle. I'm a pastor. And every week I'm talking mostly to a group of people about what the Bible says. But in my own life, it's still a battle and a choice that I have to make every day. Am I willing to actually slow my life down to read the Bible to find out what God has to say to me? And I want to encourage you, no matter where you are, whether you're investigating Christianity, you've been a Christian a long time. You have to read the Bible if you really want to know God's will for your life. You can't find it from Christian radio or Christian music. You can't even find it from someone else. Although other people can give you experiences and they can give you counsel that will help. Unless you are reading the Bible yourself, you're disconnected from the will of God as he tries to unfold it to you. That's the truth. His truth is what guides us. And so I want to encourage you in this new year, no matter where you are, if you commit to reading the Bible, it can actually change your life. It's not because the, the words are secret and you get this, this kind of special power from reading it, but it's actually you're, you're getting to know God himself. And as you get to know him, He actually speaks to you through the scriptures and he gives you insight and he gives you ways of looking at things differently. And that is what begins to transform the way we see things. 
We all have our certain lenses that we look through. And the Bible has a way of saying, you know what? You've always looked at this, this way. There's a new way to look. Well, I never knew that new way to look. No, because the word of God transforms your mind. It gives you a new way to see things. And so I encourage you, uh, in the back table, we have some Bible reading plans. Okay? And if you're thinking this is like homework, it kind of is. Because it's actually things that you have to do at home, which could be called work, okay? So it is homework. But if you'd like to read the Bible, we have some Bible reading plans that you can pick up. You can read through John, Acts, Romans, the Bible in a jar, John, Acts, Romans. Those are a great place to start. If you've never read the scriptures before, you can learn about Jesus. You can learn about the early church. You can learn about how God helps change us, how he saves us. And you can wrestle with that stuff. And you could just decide to read. I'm going to read 10 minutes a day. Can you find 10 minutes a day to read the Bible? If you can't, it will be very difficult to do it. But if you can find 10 minutes, see what God does. See if it helps. See what questions it raises. See how you can get answers to those questions. Now, so that's, that's paper copies. We have some plans that are paper copies. Now, if you're thinking, really, paper? Who has paper these days? Right? We have something for you as well. There's an app from version. If you don't know what an app is, get a paper copy. Okay? <laughs> if you don't know what a paper copy is, get the app. Something for everybody. But there's this thing called version. If you go to the next slide, you can go to this thing, and it's developed by a church in Oklahoma, and they have done a fantastic job of creating Bible reading plans that you can access on your cell phone. You can access the entire Bible on it. It has plans where it has something that you could read related to the scriptures. You can read the scriptures themselves. Every day it comes up. And then when you're done, it's like, good job, you've completed it. And if you're like me, you're like, yes, there's the check mark on my box. I'm so happy. And it sends you an email like, congratulations. You're like, yeah, Bible reading. Or if you're not like that, you just get the paper copy. You check the box. And then when you've checked all the boxes, then you have your little party. And if you've checked all the boxes and you'd like me to email you, I will email you and say, congratulations. <laughs> I promise you, alex at churchinthevalley.com. I will do that for you. But on this, you can browse all plans. They have topical plans. So if, say you're just facing something in your finances. And yeah, you're going to check out the seminar and maybe the Financial Peace University group's interested in you. But you want to kind of dig into what the scriptures say. You can actually go on here and look topical on finances, you can read a plan related to finances. You could read a plan on hope or anger, joy, diligence, humility, trust, praise. You can see, and the list goes on and on and on and on. Topical. But you, version, if you've not downloaded this app, this is a fantastic resource for you to begin to get the Bible into your life. Guess what? Just because you have the app doesn't mean the Bible's in your life. Right? Just like that one game that you downloaded three years ago and you're like, why is that on there? And you never play it. Just because you have the game doesn't mean you're playing the game. Just because you have the Bible doesn't mean you're reading it. So hear this. It's not about downloading the app. It's not even about starting the plan. It's actually about reading the Bible. So this is just to help you, but you version. If you type that, you'll see it. It's got millions of downloads. It's free. And you can have it on your smartphone. You can also use it on the computer. So maybe you don't have a smartphone. You have a dumb phone. But you have a computer. You can go to uversion.com and you can access the plan as well. What I've tried to do is I've tried to leave you with no excuse to reading your Bible. 
And I'm not going to check. No one's going to check. It's just something that you do on your own. But I want to encourage you, if you're interested in change, you're interested in growing, you're actually interested in kind of figuring out if this power thing and God, if, if this is really real, I encourage you, read the Bible. If nothing else this New Year's, read the Bible. Be careful. Don't say, I'm going to read it in a week. That's very tricky. That's hard. Just start. I'm going to try every day. And if you don't, if you're like me, here's the thing. I come up with plans and I come up with resolutions and I beat myself up. I'm a beat myself upper. I miss a day and it's like, I'm the worst ever. I'm just not going to do it anymore. Okay, that makes no sense. It's like that for eating. You guys like after Christmas, like between Christmas and New Year, he's like, man, I got to stop eating like this. But then you're like, why am I going to start eating like this? Because I'm just going to keep doing it throughout December. And then you decide January is the time. Why do you do that? Like, why do I do that? Why do I spend one more week being a complete glutton? Right? Just pounding worse, terrible foods. Because there's something in me. I'm like, well, I'm failing. I'm going to continue to fail. I might as well just quit until I'm ready to start. Does that even make any sense? That, that was the weirdest statement I've ever said. But you guys know what I'm saying. Because we all have that in us. The Bible reading is the same. You start it and then you like miss. And you're like, ah, didn't work. Wasn't worth it. Now stay with it. Keep reading it. If you have like this certain spot, you always want to do it and you don't get to that spot, do it some other time. Okay, so I encourage you, read the Bible. Check it out. If nothing else, that is a great way to start your new year. By just getting some maybe different viewpoints of how life works. Doesn't mean you believe it. But it could give you some stuff that you could believe in. So I want to encourage you, if you're looking to change, you want to experience contentment in a new way this new year, ask yourself, could it be that it could come through a relationship with God himself? And I want to close on this. Uh, Christ followers, whoever decides to commit their life to him and make him the boss, they, they will have everything they need to do God's will in every area of life. And I want to close on Philippians 4, 19. And this is a promise that Paul gives. And I just want to leave you with this because it's an encouragement to me. And it says, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. That's my prayer for you, that you will experience God who can meet all your needs. Not according to your own will, but according to his. Let's pray together. And then after we're done praying, a Jeep is going to come up and walk through some next steps that you can take. And you can mark those on your connection card. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the power to change and that we actually don't have to stay the same. And we can get so focused on our own improvement plans, so focused on the things that we're doing well, the things that we're not doing well. And it just can become so self-focused that in the midst of it, we're in a hole and we don't know how to get out. But God, you come and you pull us out of our own thinking. You pull us out of our own idea of what is good and what is not. And you actually show us a new way. And that is doing life your way. And God, I pray for those that are here that feel that that is restrictive that doesn't make sense, that you will show them 
and in their heart that you will draw them to yourself for them to see that it's actually doing life your way that is the best kind of life. Our words cannot really communicate that. Our experiences can't really communicate that. But you yourself, I pray, will draw people into realizing that your way is the best way. And God, you give us power to change. And we rest on that. In the name of Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Thanks, Alex. We hope today has been a real help for you. Uh, In a few minutes, we're going to take the offering. If there's anything you wanted to fill out on your uh, connection card, please go ahead and do that while I'm talking. Uh, Each week, we try to encourage everyone to really uh, think of a next step that they can take in response to what they've heard uh, this morning. And so we, we give, like, practical suggestions. And so I'm going to list a few of those in just a minute. But we also, you know, God may have really communicated to you something as you were listening to uh, Alex, something that, uh, that he'd like you to do. Well, just put that on your, on your next steps. And uh, the couple that we'd like to just throw out there today is you could, you could uh, begin to regularly pray for God's power to help, you, uh, to help you accomplish God's will in God's way. Another thing is you could, uh, you could really uh, commit to a reading plan Get, or some just reading the Bible. And any plan that you want will work just fine. But really commit to just reading the Bible. <clears throat> with me over the past several years, uh, one thing I've discovered is that walking with God is really just a series of next steps. All hooked together and you wind up walking. And uh, the responses that, that I've made over the years to hearing God's word, either through a talk or through just my personal time with him, has brought me to a very different place than I was headed for uh, when I started. So I I just really encourage every one of us to really think about what the next steps are for us. So the band's going to lead us, or uh, Matt's going to lead us to sing as we start taking our offering. Thanks.